Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Maxwell played a critical role in helping Epstein to identify minor victims for abuse. They have politicized a virus. Any escalatory actions by Russia would be of great concern. We'll have to face this new threat just as we face those that have come before it. We shouldn't be putting our trust on science and on politicians. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. Tom and Benny and Clark and you. And uh, it is Wednesday. Lots to talk about today. We're going to get to the uh, Supreme Court and uh, the Mississippi law. Talk about that in just a bit. Got some uh, other interesting stories. Uh, Leading off things uh, up in Oakland County, Michigan. The county prosecutor, Karen McDonald, announced that Ethan Crumbly is the 15-year-old suspect in the Michigan school shooting. There are now four people that have perished as a result of this shooting, and uh, a number of others have been injured, some critically. Quote, there are crimes that the legislature said are so serious that a person who commits them can automatically be charged as an adult. This young man who's only 15 years old will be charged as an adult. First-degree murder is the most serious of all those crimes, McDonald said. Second, there are facts leading up to the shooting that suggest this was not an impulsive act. McDonald noted the terrorism count is not a typical charge, but to get full justice for all the victims, he will be charged uh, with a terrorism charge. The children that have... uh, that were listed, uh, some injured, four have passed away. Uh, the fourth died, uh, succumbed to his injuries earlier today. Uh, the one thing that was disappointing about this, I appreciate this Karen McDonald wanting to uh, represent these victims and their families well. Uh, unfortunately, and I think this is really an inappropriate time to bring this up, but she added, uh, the only thing I can add is that the only thing I can do as a prosecutor is to ensure that I will do everything I can to prosecute this case and pursue justice for these victims, but also to speak out that we need better gun laws. Mm. If the incident yesterday with four children being murdered and multiple kids injured is not enough to revisit our gun laws, I don't know what is. I'm a parent. There are parents here. There are parents listening. We need to make sure and want to know that when we send our kids to school, they're safe, and responsible gun ownership is imperative. It's critical, she added. Well, I agree that responsible gun ownership is imperative. But I would also say that I would be shocked if there were any current gun laws on the books that were not broken. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there were. And um, frankly, again, this is an inappropriate time to bring this up. I know it's an emotional issue. All the more reason not to bring it up right now. I mean, are you going to add more laws that would hinder law-abiding citizens from protecting themselves and their kids under the assumption that uh, we don't have stringent enough gun laws, and if we had, this wouldn't have happened? It would have happened. I mean, do I know that with absolute certainty? I I can't say with 100% reliability, but I am fairly certain that, yeah, it would have happened regardless of your gun laws. And I'm I'm quite sure, uh, among other rules that were broken on the gun laws, I'm sure that at a public school, it was against the law for anyone to bring in 
a gun, and this is a 15-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. How many? How many? I mean, I, I again, I don't know what the Michigan gun laws are, but I would uh, for for a 15-year-old to be uh, transporting a a gun in, onto school property. I'm sure there was a couple of laws broken <clears throat> right within that. Well, one of the press conferences today, um, I assume it was the o- Oakland County Sheriff because you know he had a. <laughs> a sheriff looking uniform on i mean and uh but he i heard him make the statement of um and he just kind of counted when he did this he broke a law he, he did this he broke a law you know so he broke gun laws I, I just think it's entirely inappropriate for the prosecutor i mean her job is to prosecute this right. case based not on the create current law. law in the books thank you not to get up in grandstand and make i mean which is essentially really a political statement it is and and to me um I mean, I don't know if there's any lawyers out there answer this. I mean, I mean, does she start to jeopardize things in the, as far as it relates to case when you start to interject something other than the facts of the case? Good uh, question, and I would suspect so. I, I, I would suspect she could. Let's put it that way. Um, she also questioned if there were writings. Uh, she was questioned by a reporter. Were there writings that the suspect left behind? She said, quote, there is a mountain of evidence, and I can't comment. Hmm. So it sounds to me like uh, you could have just as easily gone the route of, okay, do we have the right laws out there that would allow for intervention if we know that this young man had was troubled and was likely to do something like this? Well, it was just a day or two before his parents were at the school for um, two separate instances involving him involving behavior i think it was two days earlier from what i read so uh i mean i mean you think something was brewing um as it relates to him and you know another thing i think i've heard a couple of comments about um and and this is just the world we live in today i think there's an awful lot of video evidence of what took place um and, you know, that will go further to intent and malice and everything else. Um, I mean, because there was one instance, um, I mean, he's actually on video of him trying to represent himself as a, a sheriff or law enforcement officer asking to open the room. And hmm. so, I mean, if, if that doesn't go with intent yeah. <laughs> and premeditation and that type of thing, I mean, it's I, just, I think there's going to be a, a bunch of evidence. I think you're, uh, yeah, it's the whole thing is very sad. Um, changing gears to our friends in Rocky Mount. Good article by William West of the Rocky Mount Telegram. Th- this goes back um, at least, well, it goes back a long time. I don't know how far back the corruption started. About ten years, I think, as I recall. Well, I mean, to, to, well, I mean, as far as the evidence that the auditor had. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. no I, I, it, the reason why I, I um, chuckle is, well, I'll get to it in a second. There was an anti-abuse of power bill that was passed by the state legislature, and uh, Beth Wood, who's the state auditor, who I know you know. Mm-hmm. He, she's a Democrat. Only Democrat I vote for. And <laughs> she very much is behind this bill. There were Democrats that voted for this bill. The question is, will Cooper sign or veto this bill? And as of last night at this time, there was no response from the governor's office. I, I don't know that they've uh, made any comment or said anything more about it today. State Senator Lisa Barnes from Nash County 
a key backer of the bill, said the legislation addresses a need that clearly exists at a local level so that no government official is able to operate above the law without consequence in North Carolina. And I'm sorry for our friends in Rocky Mount, but you are the poster child for why this bill was needed. Senate Bill 473 makes it a felony offense for public officers and employees to financially benefit from their respective positions. Now, that doesn't mean you can't get paid for your work, (laughs) but you can use corruption uh, to grease your palm. The uh, bill was set to become effective today. Wood, in her May 2020 report about the city of Rocky Mount, said she and her team found a uh, advantageous treatment of Councilman Andre Knight and Reuben Blackwell and former Mayor David Combs and also found instances of lavish spending by city manager Rochelle Small-Tony. Wood, in particular, in the report, said multiple officials prevented the, the Municipal Business Services Center from attempting to collect 47000 in utility bills owed by a councilman. It turned out to be this guy Knight, Mm -hmm. Andre Andre Knight. Knight, How in the world do you accumulate $47,000, almost $48,000 worth of utility bills? Well, you know, what's, what's even richer than that? I mean, he, you know, when this report came out, he, you know, said such vile things about Beth Wood, saying it was a, you know, basically a racist witch, witch hunt and all this type of thing. And since that time, according to this this article in the Rocky Mount Telegram, he's accumulated, accumulated almost $3,000 of delinquent More. balances. <laughs> More. So, I, I read the report when it came out. And, um, of course, first of all, I've known Beth Wood for over 30 years. Work, we worked together several years ago. And... Uh, Beth is thorough and does a good job and professional. And and I read a report and, I mean, bottom line, hey guy, did you pay your bill? Yeah. And was it written off? Well, and how? Why? Why in the world? I mean, fifty, I, almost fifty thousand dollars. I mean, I would say if your average utility bill for your home is five hundred dollars for one month, that would be high. Yes. Yeah, right. Seems, it seems like to me though he also had some. A, a business or businesses or rental well, property or something. Yeah. I mean, at the most, a thousand dollars a month. I mean, mm-hmm. good night. But I, why I, in the world would the utility company not cut this guy off? Yeah, they should. I well, mean, they should have. There, but, there yeah. you go. He he uh, he was obviously using intimidation from his elected office to get something for nothing. Yep. Knight Blackwell. And the state NAACP have made clear their opposition to Senate Bill 473. Wow. <laughs> uh, that tells you a lot. I mean, look, I don't want to make this a racial issue, but if you don't pay your bills. I don't care who you are. Yeah. Don't pay your bills. I mean, hey, pay your bills. Wood told about finding or having heard stories about instances of officials and local governments in the state having used their offices or their titles for personal gain. Gee, does that happen? <laughs> what, what a shocker. Wow, I had no idea. Anyway, this this is a good bill. Um, Dale Falwell chimed in on this bill. I always like what think, the things that Dale Falwell will say. Fall was asked by the uh, Rocky Mount Telegram uh, over the phone what he thinks. Will this send the right message? And uh, he said, well, as I've always said, you don't need a law to tell you what is right and what is wrong. And uh, 
You know, you put your hand on the Bible and you take that oath and uh, you, you know what's right and wrong. But uh, unfortunately, people do what they want to do. It would be interesting to see um, what Roy Cooper does. I mean, hey, this is his home county, Nash yeah, County. He's from Nash County. He's from yeah. Nashville. So uh, be curious. And and the House uh, passed it uh, pretty convincingly. I mean, there was a lot. You know, there was a lot of Democrats voted against it, but I think it was what sixty. It was bipartisan. Six to forty or yeah, sixty yeah. something. It was bipartisan. It's, yeah. So uh, it'll be curious to see what. Uh, Lord Cooper does on this one. Yeah, I, I would think he'd be hard pressed to. Uh, I mean, do, do you want to support malfeasance in your <laughs> local governments? Yeah, yeah. And when you read, the, I read the bill uh, when the Senate Bill four seventy three was done, and it, I mean, it's pretty, it's a pretty simple bill. <laughs> you know, it just makes a felony for doing something that. Uh, I mean, it should be a felony. I mean, you're. I mean, you put your hand on the Bible and take an oath. To protect the citizens that elected you and, and abide by the laws, and you're the first one that, I mean, heck, break the, breaks the law for your own benefit, it ought to be a felony. Speaking of malfeasance, I guess this is not technically malfeasance, but uh, I, I felt like it when I first uh, heard from uh, this Judge Lee. Um, the North Carolina Court of Appeals has thrown out a retired trial judge's order forcing state officials to transfer $1.7 billion out of the state treasury for education-related spending. The split two-to-one from the state's second-highest court arrives less than a week after the state controller asked the court for a writ of prohibition, prohibition blocking the money transfer. The order would have forced the controller and other state officials to remove money from the treasury without authorization of the General Assembly. In fact, it would go against the wishes of the General Assembly. Judges Chris Dillon and Jefferson Griffin, both Republicans, issued the order. Quote, this court has the power to issue a writ of prohibition to, re- uh, to restrain trial courts from proceeding in a manner not within their jurisdiction or from acting in a manner whereof they have jurisdiction by rules at variance with those which the law of the land prescribes. So basically, this Union County trial judge, I don't know how he even took upon himself the authority to make this, except, and, and not he's retired. He's a retired Union County trial judge. <laughs> Why is anybody even listening to the guy? Um, he basically says, uh, due to um, the Leandro case, which said we got to make sure that everybody has a fair and, and wasn't the Leandro case goes back like 19 years ago or something? Yeah. It, it's a while back. And the case was actually, it was in California. Wasn't it a national well, case? Well, it, it, was, it was North Carolina, but it ended up having uh, input by some consulting that's, that's group right. out that's of California. Right. Yeah. So the whole thing is just smells to high heaven. But anyway, you know, so this Judge Lee came out and said, well, and and certain complainers were saying, well, the North Carolina legislature is not doing enough to meet what this Leandro decision ought to do. And so this Judge Lee says, okay, well, we're going to go in and confiscate $1.7 billion against the wishes of the state legislature. Well, the higher court said, guys, <laughs> you can't do that. You got to follow the law. Mm-hmm. But it, it didn't – and again, it's – okay – who says that the North Carolina legislature hasn't made incredible strides to make sure that we are spending the right amount of money to meet the needs 
of the kids of North Carolina in our public school systems. I mean, and listen, the, the Republicans in the state legislature have gone out of their way trying to give teacher raises, trying to fund uh, building projects, trying to go in and uh, help with uh, classroom assistance. And, uh, you know, up till a couple of weeks ago, we couldn't, the governor, couldn't get the governor to uh, sign any budgets. It's, it's hard to say. It's hard to say for any any Democrat and, and be intellectually honest saying this, that the fact that teachers have not had raises in a, couple, a few years is Roy Cooper's fault. I mean, if if what he was standing for, Medicaid expansion, was so important the previous two times, why did he do it this time? Why did he vote for the budget this time other than the fact that I think he finally heard enough from the sides like, look, you're hurting North Carolina you know, to protect your future standing in the Democrat Party. That and the fact that I think he was convinced that uh, they had a veto-proof majority that would vote for well, this budget. Well, my, my sources say they did, and my sources say he was told by people inside the Democrat Party, you, you can <laughs> you can uh, have a little participation in this, or you can be on the outside looking in. Well, so. he decided to participate. Hey, we've got to take a time out. Lots more to talk about. When we get back, we'll get to the uh, jo- uh, Job's, I'm sorry, Dobbs versus the Jackson Women Health Organization. Uh, that's the law out of Mississippi that the Supreme Court heard oral arguments on today. And uh, so does Sotomayor. Wow. This woman is uh, evil. I would say that that would describe her. Uh, we'll tell you why when we get back. Beautiful day in this neighborhood. Beautiful day for neighbor. First thing you should do after work. I turn on the radio. Check in with Tom and Betty. Gotta know what's happening in my city. What's going on in my backyard. Things that are happening locally. I like the local news. Things that I don't hear everywhere else. I don't hear everywhere else. For the local news you want. Kept me informed for all of the local stuff, you know. It let me know what was going on in the local community. Eastern Carolina's news sources. News and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. And uh, it is that time of year where uh, Christmas festivities have begun and are beginning. Uh, the Aiden Christmas Parade taking place this uh over the next couple of days, I think it's tomorrow, but you might want to go online and double check. I do know this. The tree lighting is uh, going to be at 530. The parade starts at 630. And uh, there will be all kinds of food trucks and festivities and goodies to eat and uh, get in the Christmas mood. I think it is tomorrow, but uh, I, I got sent all the information, except I didn't get sent today. So uh, double check on that. Um a Christmas tradition, by the way, came out 32 years ago on this day in 1989. I watch it every year. National Lampoon's Christmas, Christmas vacation. vacation yeah. yeah. Can you believe it's been 32 years? Mm. Wow. <laughs> it's yeah. The, it's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. Yeah. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> oh, man. It's good, Clark. Um <laughs> Take a look at the weather forecast. Mostly cloudy tonight, a low around 45. Thursday, sunny, a high near 69. Tomorrow night, clear, low of 48. Friday, sunshine and a high near 70. And Saturday is uh, looking just as good as Friday. So uh, get out and enjoy because days like today are probably not going to be around a whole lot longer. 
Weather brought to you by our friends at the Ironwood Golf and Country Club. Voted best golf course in Greenville two years in a row. Ironwood Golf and Country Club boasts an 18-hole Lee Trevino design course, full-service dining, and outdoor pool, tennis, and more. The newly renovated 15,000-square-foot clubhouse is the perfect place to make new traditions with your family. By the way, any retired guys out there want to get in some free golf? They are looking to add to their Rangers program. So put in a few hours each week as a golf ranger at Ironwood, and you'll have access to the court to the course. Find out more by calling Ironwood 252-752-4653. Ask for John LaMonica. Ask about the Rangers program and uh, they'll get you started. Also, don't forget gift certificates, uh, golf lessons, rounds of golf, all kinds of um, golf apparel and equipment. Uh, You can find that at the Pro Shop. A lot of high quality items. Yes, sir. That's a Christmas vacation line. Sorry. (laughs) The, uh, real quickly, before we get to the um, uh, Supreme Court decision, the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, the News and Observer is reporting that the North Carolina legislature, and by the way, this is from the News and Observer, from their point of view, the Republicans are to blame. The North Carolina legislature decided to move the UNC system office to Raleigh next year without input from the full UNC Board of Governors. And again, the way they report this, at least three board members, former Republican lawmaker Art Pope, Leo Dortry, and uh, John Fairley, raised questions about the move and its $100 million price tag. The uh, News and Observer goes on to say, but their primary objection is over the lack, the lack of consultation with board members, according to emails obtained by the News and Observer. So they are leading you to believe that it is the Republican legislature that is to blame for the lack of communication. But you got to read about uh, three quarters way through this article to find out that it was the UNC board chairman, Randy Ramsey, who uh, did know about the move, did support the move, the mandate to relocate, but didn't tell anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, as a board member, honestly, if I was a board member and the chairman knew that, I mean, I think they ought to tell me so I don't read about it in the papers. You know? Well, apparently they did. Apparently they did. But yeah. the News Observer spin is always the Republicans' fault. There you go. Uh, so the Supreme Court heard oral arguments today in the Dobbs versus Jackson Women Health Organization. It concerns a 2018 law in Mississippi that bans most abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy. And if you go back to – and people are going berserk over this – But if you go back to Roe v. Wade, the abortion was only allowed um, up to the time that the child would be viable outside of the womb. Now, we just had a story, and what's viability is what, 40 weeks? I think that's right. Now, New York York and California is pretty much— I'm sorry, sorry, full full gestation is 40 weeks. Viability, Viability right now is about 20 weeks. There was just – or 26 weeks, I think, is, was the official – there was just a child that – we just had the story on a couple of weeks ago. There was a child, I can't remember where it was born, but it was a, a, a preemie at 21 weeks, less than a pound when this little guy was born, and uh, he is alive and well and home now. 
So this this you know as science progresses, this whole viability thing is in flux. Well, in Mississippi, they're saying okay, viability is at 15 weeks. I think down in Texas, they've got one that's six weeks. But um, so so that's what they're discussing. Now, I, I surprisingly. John Roberts sounded like he was asking questions that were on the pro-life side of the issue. He basically brought up the fact that, okay, well, unfortunately, uh, most countries, most civilized countries, well, all of them for that matter, uh, you know, even North Korea have got a point of viability. Mm Mm-hmm. And he made the point of, okay, why is our viability so much further out there than it is in European countries? And he made the point that, okay, if you're looking at how we line up with other countries, we're more in line with China, Russia, and North Korea. There are states that have bans. Well, I know, but I'd like to focus on the 15-week ban because that's not a dramatic departure from uh, viability. It is the standard that the vast majority of other countries have. Uh, When you get to the viability standard, we share uh, uh, that standard with the People's Republic of China and North Korea. And I don't think you have to be in favor of looking to international law to set our constitutional standards to be concerned if those are your share that particular time period. There were a lot of tweets out today, especially after that comment. Um, uh, oh, if you're pro-abortion, the, the scuttlebutt on social media is, uh, oh, <laughs> um, even Jeffrey Tubin, who is famous for something else. Handsy. He's very handsy. Let's just say <laughs> he even said CNN, um, what would you label him? The legal analyst for CNN. He said, if you believe that women should have the right to choose abortion, today's Supreme Court argument was wall-to-wall disaster. And I think he not only was referring to the number of comments and questions that came up from the Supreme Court justices, but I also think he brought up the fact that um, the woman who was arguing for uh, that 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 the Supreme, that the Mississippi law ought to be considered unconstitutional, um, that she was not doing a great job. And that was Jeffrey Tubin that said that? Uh, Jeffrey with, Tubin, yeah. With CNN. Hmm. With CNN, yeah. Um, and there were a number of other comments that uh, just like, this this is not looking good. Um, Reckleman is arguing against the 15-limit pre-viability line. Notably, the United States is the only one of seven countries of 198 that allows abortion against the 20-week line. That from Jonathan Turley. So the comments by Justice Roberts were absolutely in line. Any any comments from uh, Amy Comey Barrett? Barrett? Uh, I I didn't find any. Um, I, I have not seen any direct comments from her. I did see sort of as a sidebar that um she and Brett Kavanaugh were asking some questions that would make you think that they would probably favor Mississippi, the Mississippi law. 
Kavanaugh, I, I thought one of the real poignant comments that Kavanaugh made on this, he said, quote, t- talking about um, well, t- two comments he made. First of all, he said, okay, there is the comments from the pro-abortion folks that there are, you know, it's in the best interest of women's health and the child to uh, allow abortion to take place. And then he he, he turns around and says, wait a minute, <laughs> the child doesn't have a whole lot of say in this. What do you mean it's in their best, best interest? I mean, it just, you know, it's, it's like a dumb moment. You're killing the child and, and the, the, the pro-abortionist crowd are saying, well, this, this is in the best interest of the child. It's just amazing to me the comments that come out of them. I mean, you know, now the term of the day is reproductive justice. I mean, what does that mean? Yeah, good Repro- question. Reproductive justice. Well, and see, what what these arrogant, self-serving people. I'll just try to keep it PG here. What the reason why they would say, well, the best answer is the child is they would say it is better for the child to be dead than to be born into poverty or to be born with a single parent or something, you know, some rationale that being dead is better than being raised in poverty. But the, the second point he, uh, Kavanaugh, made, which I thought was another good one, which might be where this thing ends up going, he asked, when you have these two interests at stakes, and both are important, as you acknowledge, why should this court be the arbiter rather than Congress, the state legislatures, the Supreme Court, the people being able to resolve this issue? Hmm. I thought that was a great question. It was. I mean, why, why the Supreme Court? If this is, uh, again, you know, we we're talking about education yesterday, drive these education decisions down to the local level. Why shouldn't the state have a say-so? The, the authoritarians in Washington, D.C., they want to make every decision for you. And I think currently North Carolina, North Carolina, New York and California, I mean, their their abortion laws are as 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 rogue as anywhere in the world, basically. And I mean, they, they pretty so, much yeah. right up to well, I mean, right up to the end. I mean, well, hey, the, you want this child or not? Ralph Northam. Yeah. Up in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Just last year. Talking about uh, uh, you know abortion laws. Well, let the let the child be born, sitting on the, the the birthing table, and it will be a decision between the mother and the doctor as to whether or not we let the child live. Mm. Mm, is about the best yeah, thing that, to say about that. That's horse's mm. rear end. I mean, the, it, when you talk about rights, how about rights of that person <laughs> to yeah. have a life? I mean, and if you don't think it's a person, just uh, Go in a room and um, during this time period and look at a baby monitor, and you tell you tell me that that's not a a person there. Yeah, it just is. Well, and and especially after you, you see the child on the sonogram, and these three D sonograms are just incredible. You see the child on the sonogram, and as you know, and when my my girls were being born, I don't, I, I'm trying to remember if we had a sonogram. It was it was pretty fuzzy because we're going back a few decades. But when my grandkids were born, I, I mean, you, you see the sonogram, you see the pictures, and uh, then you you see them when they're born, and you know it's it's they didn't start living the day they were born. 
No. They were in mama's womb, and that was a life right there. Yeah, and I think mama can tell you that. (laughs) Yeah, you think? And and by the way, this is why the pro-abortion crowd does not want to – you know, there there are a lot of states that say, okay, um, before you have an abortion, we want you to see a sonogram of the child. And it's like, okay, we want you to be informed. We don't want you to make this decision blindfolded. And, of course, all the pro-abortion crowd, no, 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 you can't do that. Why? Because they know when mama sees that little child in her womb, they know. The motherly instincts, 99 times out of 100, that mom will say, okay, you've convinced me. That, that's my child. Well, you know, it's like the well-documented <clears throat> excuse me, um, case, what, two or three years ago, the young woman that worked i mean she was like the leading person at planned parenthood oh yeah yeah they made a movie about it yeah made a movie about it and all of a sudden she went in and was present during one of these procedures and like completely did a 180 and completely changed her view the stupid statement of the day though in the supreme court oral argument supreme court justice sonia sotomayor compared unborn babies to brain-dead people during the oral arguments. In an effort to address the question of fetal pain, whether the ability to feel and respond to pain is proof that the fetus is alive, and at what point an unborn child in the womb is capable of feeling and responding to pain, Sotomayor argued that a physical reaction to certain stimuli is also common in patients who have been declared brain dead. (laughs) Unbelievable. Justice Sotomayor Mm. acting as the role of philosopher king over the sensation of fetal pain is moral avoidance. The question is not ultimately over pain, but whether the Constitution grants the right to terminate innocent life. The answer is, of course, no, said ethics and theologian theology professor Andrew Walker. Senator Lindsey Graham also offered his objection, saying, with all due respect to the justice, it is not a major- a minority of doctors who believe an unborn child can feel pain before 24 weeks. It is well-established medical practice to provide anesthesia to an unborn child regarding medical procedures performed before 24 weeks because the nerve endings which generate pain are well-developed. Uh, th- what a stupid comment. And and, yeah. and and so in her mind, uh, this is a a bunch of cells that is equivalent to some. Uh, this is not a brain dead individual. That's it's, that's a that's a really. I, I don't know what to say about her analogy. I mean, that's just. <laughs> I hate I hate to say she's evil, but I get I guess she's so ideological about this issue that uh, to to look they at it like that, straight. yeah, to look at it like that to me just uh, is well, and, you know, that's a cold cold person. Science has come so far since Roe v. Wade was passed in 1973 in terms of the viability of a child mm-hmm. born premature, and and also the technology of being able to look in the womb and seeing these little guys and gals inside there and seeing them respond when you know there's stimulation you know uh, into the womb and frankly justice sotomayor there's all kinds of videos out there during the abortion procedure where the child is fighting off and wanting to live fighting away from the instruments yep 
And for her to come out and say something so irrational, I mean, this is a member of our Supreme Court of the United States of America saying, you talk about brain dead. Unbelievable. Tone tone deaf, that's for sure. I guess brain dead. It takes one to know one, huh? <laughs> hey, we got to run, take a commercial break. We'll be right back. Stay with Uh, Brandon, she, what does he play? Well, Mr. President, they're not, um... Folks, let's hear it for Brandon. What a job he's doing. Let's go, Brandon. Now back to news and let's news go, on 96.3 Let's go, Brandon. I mean, this just in, let's go, Stacy. Georgia Democrat Stacey Abrams announced today that she is running for governor. Inconceivable. Yeah, I know. That's surprising. I'm surprised she didn't say she was running for re-election because she's been claiming she's been governor for what <laughs> six right. years now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, we'll see what uh, old Stacey. Well, has uh, now the Republican down there, I'm, 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 Kemp. Kemp. He's announced he's not running for re-election. Is that correct, or was he in his last term? I don't know. I maybe, don't know. Maybe I just dreamed that, but it'd be that'd be an interesting race, regardless of who's. Uh, down there um well i can find out but uh, don't have time five six one eight two five five our <laughs> buddy sutton is on the line hey sutton hey sutton hey how you doing doing well hope you are well, i'm doing pretty good you know uh listen at you talking about the abortion thing and i listen at my my man in there was saying that you know he hate to call her evil but when wouldn't think like that it's evil it and the bible said as a man think it though is he so if she's thinking like that, she's an evil person. To yeah. think that those little infants don't have any life or any whatever she said, it just to be nothing. But I'll say this and I'm gone. I remember seeing the lady on um on on one show where she was a doctor that performed those abortions. And she said she did it with the ultrasound thing where she could see as that needle goes in there to try to puncture in that baby, that little baby be trying to get yep. out of there, mm-hmm. backing up, trying to get away from that pain. Now, you know, that's terrible. You know, I but think anyway, I think that was I think that was this what you were referring to, that movie about the woman who worked for Planned Parenthood <laughs> yeah, the documentary. And, went through, mm-hmm. and went through the abortion. And uh, I, I wish I could remember. I'm getting old. I can't remember those things. But, yeah, that's a great point. So, now, you know, the other point, too, is – Look, Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger, is a racist organization, and they, they can separate. They can try to separate themselves to Margaret Sanger, but the point is, you look at where they locate the Planned Parenthood clinics. They're not in white mm-hmm. suburbia. They're no. in they're in predominantly African American black communities, 
And exactly right. That, that's all you need to know. That that, that tells well, it right there. Well, I'll say this before you go. And then you get something like the, uh, the NAACP and all this foolishness that they be talking and all this foolishness that they be thinking. I'm telling you, it's just terrible. But anyway, you guys, keep up the good work. Hey, thank you, Sutton. Always Thanks, good to Sutton. hear from you. Stay with us. Benny and I'll be right back. Back to News and Views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. So we were talking about Stacey Abrams running uh, for the governor of Georgia. And uh, Brian Kemp is running for re-election, but he's going to have some uh, primary challenge. Vernon Jones, who uh, you've probably seen, he, he makes a lot of guest appearances on Fox News, but he was the Democrat that supported Donald Trump, and he got so much flack. I think he was a state representative. Yeah, he was a Georgia State House member. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he got so much flack for supporting Trump that he said, okay, forget it. I'm quitting. I'll go become a Republican. And now he's going to run against Brian Kemp. And I would think there'll be a lot of interested people in that race wanting to support Vernon Jones, perhaps because they like what Jones has stood for, but they probably don't like what Brian Kemp did. And, uh, you know, he was a real disappointment when it came to that, uh, the special elections for those uh, two senators and uh, just dragging his feet on the uh, recount investigation mm-hmm. uh, under from the last uh, general election. So uh, that'll be an interesting uh, race to watch. Uh, a number of outlets are reporting, and you mentioned this off the air yesterday, Joe Biden jetted to minnesota yesterday to push partisan legislation but he would not stop in wisconsin to visit the people to be the Mm -hmm. basically the uh, the chief counselor of the united states the comforter yeah and wisconsin's kind of close to minnesota i think yeah like across (laughs) the street yeah (laughs) and uh, literally he flew right Mm. over Mm. The town that this uh, tragedy happened in, and why? Why would you not stop by there? Well, Jen Saki, ah, it's, it's very complicated. There's many moving parts, and blah 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 blah. He didn't go there because it doesn't fit the narrative. Yeah, I believe I'll have to look back and see, but I believe he visited Jacob Blake's parents. Um, that was, you know. Pulled a knife on the cops, and the cops shot him and paralyzed him. Yeah. I believe he visited Jacob Blake's mother, but you don't have time to go visit someone. The entire town. There's yeah. an entire city that's been devastated. But the problem is you have a guy that uh, just doesn't fit the liberal narrative of some white supremacist. That And look, if this was the other way around, if what? this was a white supremacist that did this to a and had happened to run over a bunch of black African-Americans, Joe would be right there. 24-7 wall-to-wall cover. Yeah. Just Why like Charlottesville was. Yeah, yeah. Hey, thanks for being with us. Uh, we'll do it again tomorrow at 5. We'll play a little political trivia. We'll see you then. Have a great night, everybody. Bye-bye.